Remember, he owes me, so he's going to say a lot of good things. Uh, what it is a joy, and even this morning as we we're doing a pastor prayer ahead of time, I wanted to pray for Adam because I love him so much. And uh, I pray for your church because I, you know, I care for you, but I really care for my, my brother. And uh, I feel like the Lord has, ever since I knew him, he just knew the Lord was on his life. And a special guy and, uh, and a real joy to call him my brother. I get to have not only a brother-in-law, but a friend. Someone I can look at and say, okay, I love Jesus more because I know Adam Tyson. And, uh, and so I could say the same with Todd Kostchuk, who's a dear, dear, dear friend. He, I was his RA and, uh, when he was at the Masters University, and boy, were we crazy. And so it was a ton of fun back then, loving the Lord together. But, but you knew back then that we were going to love the Lord, we were going to go hard, and we were going to you know, do things that, that matter in this world, live for a future kingdom to come. And uh, maybe before I get into anything, let me give a couple announcements. First of all, I don't know if you know, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I think I am. Uh, my daughter just got engaged this last week, Elisa. <laughs> So the whole week was geared at like, how do we, how do we get it so that my daughter, you know, can meet up with him at this time? And uh, we could not be more pleased. I have prayed for a long time for this little girl and who God would allow her to marry. And, uh, and the Lord has answered my prayers and then some in giving us Vaughn. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. And I'm so proud of my little girl. You know, when you're a dad and you drop your kid off at the Master's University and you live so many miles away and she's here without any family, trying to love the Lord, but man, hurting before her family. And then uh, slowly, four years later, her brothers come and then the Lord provides a husband. The Lord has cared for her. And uh, thank you guys as a church for your love for my daughter and for your care for her. Thank you for your care for my kids, uh, Zeke and, and, and Ethan. And I'm going to bring one more. I'm going to bring Evan. So uh, make sure you guys take good care of him too, all right? And uh, Evan, come on, wave to everybody so they know who you are. So uh-huh. There's Evan. Before I uh, move from there, Vaughn's parents are here. And uh, Vaughn's, Vaughn is seven years old. He's got muscles twice the size as me. I mean, I'm kind of jealous. But uh, <laughs> this is Vaughn's dad and, uh, and mom right here. You guys stand and, and just, just wave. <laughs> so, uh, so we praise the Lord. And their grandma, uh, 84, and she throws an ax better than me. So... Uh, <laughs> So what a, what a joy to be together. Yeah, I served the Lord in Uganda. We've been there 17 years, and, uh, and we love it. You know, the Lord took us through so many different challenges in the early days, but you learn right from the early days, be faithful today, trust God for tomorrow. Be faithful today, trust God for and so much of our lives are that we just hold on to God's word, hold on to his truth, and just be faithful and watch the Lord bless and, and do all that he's done. I have a, is that slide here? Here is a slide. And uh, if you take your phones out, I want to make sure you get our updates. If you take your phones out and you hit that uh, QR code right there, it'll take you right to my website. Come on, you're allowed to do that. Let's go. Here we go. Uh, get, get, go to my website. Go to, once you get to the front page, go all the way to the bottom of it and put your email address in. And, uh, and you can then get our updates. We want to make sure we're able to encourage you from here and, uh, and bless us. Uh, I mean, let us bless you by... Uh, by <laughs> you can do that too. Uh, but let us bless you by, uh, by just encouraging in the Lord and what have you. And if you do want to participate in any way in the ministry, we are uh, so grateful. I want to show you a video to that end, but, uh, but we would be so grateful. Thank you as a church. I don't know if you're aware, but Justin Lay and his wonderful wife came out to do videos for us. And they did three videos. And uh, we'll have to show you the one with Mark Rotuna. Uh, one of these times, but we, you know, we are a ministry that is trying to really love a whole community of people. We're getting, so we have uh, two main missions in Uganda. One is to reach our community for Christ. And so we moved in this small little village in the, in, called Kubamitwe 
and literally nobody knew the Lord. Everybody was doing what's right in their own eyes. And we came in the middle of that community and we said, hey, there is a king. His way is the best. Let me show you his way so you get out of your way. And we follow the king together. They were so tired of their own sin, they were ready for the message. And we have put together a primary school, a secondary school. We've put together a medical center. We've put together a uh, um, reaching out to the disabled. So uh, we work with Johnny and friends to care for the disabled all within our community. And uh, those three ministries and a bunch of activities for our community have built a local church. Today, we've literally seen God transform a whole society of people right there in the village. And, uh, and today we have a church of 500 on a Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. And, uh, and so literally right now we're building a church building for 1,200 people because we're getting ready to launch a pastoral training center. We've already launched a pastoral training. We're getting ready to launch a degree program for our pastors because the second mission that we have is strengthening churches in Uganda. I work with the Baptist Union of Uganda, 1,500 churches. And I do conferences, leadership trainings with my team of people. And, uh, and from that relationship with the Baptist Union of Uganda, we are now able to train the pastors. The Baptist Union feeds our seminary that we've established. It's an accredited seminary like the Master's University, just better education and a lot cheaper. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we, we have a, a degree-awarding institution. We offer certificates and degrees. Literally, we take pastors from all over Uganda, South Sudan. We bring them there to our, our, prem, our premises, our, our campus, and we train them up. First, in a year program where we just help them get saturated in the foundations. What is the gospel? What is Christian living? Help them follow the king. That's really what we want to see happen. Then we invite them to come. We, we vet them from there, invite them to come with their families. So we can help those families learn to follow the king. Everybody learn to follow the king. And because when they get fully trained up, we want them to go back to their communities and help their communities follow the king. And that's how we're doing it. And so we're getting ready to launch the degree program. This February, we're launching the program. We'll have 30 students come in with their families. The next year, another 30 students. Next year, 30, another 30 students. It's a three-year program. So we'll have 90 students that come in with their families. And if they come in with their families, that's a lot more people added to your church. That's why we're building a big church. Uh, in addition to that, we want to do evangelical conferences throughout the whole country there in Uganda because we want Christ to be made known. We want them to know that there is a king and his way is the... His way is the best. best. Uh, you guys are, come on now. There is a king and his way is the best. best. And listen, if there is a message that needs to go out today, it's that there is a king and his way is the You know, everybody cannot just do what's right in their own eyes. It results in pain and sorrow and heartache. They need to repent of following the lusts and passions of their own flesh and they need to surrender and commit themselves to God and His way. And that's what we want our community to see, do, and experience right there. And, and everything. I, I tell you, there is a community on our shoulders. We would love for you guys to consider helping. We are a missionary of your church. We'd love for you to say, you know what, let, let us as a family just give $50 a month to this organization to help them love the people of Uganda. Every dollar goes to Uganda to help this community. We feed over 750 people a day. We have 170 employees there in Uganda. And it's just because there is a community there just primed to make an impact for the name of Christ in Uganda. And God is good, and we praise the Lord for all that he's doing. Are you guys ready to do a mission trip? Have you guys done a mission trip in a long time here? Come on, it is time. Todd Koschuk, he loves t passing time zones. He wants to lead a trip next year. Him and Pat Hamlin. And so we want to see you guys jump on that trip and come on out, all right? Yes. All right. How many are ready to come? Come on, everybody say, come on, Todd, let's go. On, Todd, let's go. <laughs> Thank you very much, all right. Todd took like three months to get over jet lag last time. 
Todd, I thought you were strong. You're really soft. We're seeing so. So, well, I, as you can tell, I, I really do love this congregation. I love the people here. And uh, what a joy it is to open God's word with you. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I want to read God's word with you. And then I, my goal this morning is to give you just a strong encouragement I want to start with you in verse 10, <clears throat> so you can see a little of the context, and I want to take you through verse 16. You'll remember from Matthew chapter 5 that it starts off with these Beatitudes. I'm going to start with you at the end of these Beatitudes. Let's read from God's Word together. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under it a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the reading of God's word. I want to start by asking you a question. When you hear the word persecution, what does it do within your heart? What does it cause you to do naturally. When you hear phrases like are given in verse 12 that you will be insulted, people will say all kinds of evil against you. Do you get excited to follow Christ? Or do you withdraw back? Yeah, it says blessed are these people. They'll obtain the kingdom of heaven. They'll say that the reward is great in heaven. It says you should rejoice and be glad, but these words, persecution, insult, evil against you, they don't cause you to rise up and say, yeah, whoa, let's go. If they do, you are sick. Naturally, they cause you to be scared, frightened, even when they say, then when they say the words, just like the prophets who were before you. And you read of the prophets and you realize, well, uh, they, they were stoned. Uh, they were sawed in two, we know from Hebrews 11, right? They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. You're like, well, I don't know if I want to be like John the Baptist and get my head taken off. Jesus made it very clear that behold, in Matthew 23, 24, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and, and, be, and persecute from city to city. The life of a believer has always involved persecution. It was nothing, something, it was nothing Jesus hid from the believers. They were well aware we know that as 
the, the disciples went out in the midst of the pagan society in which they were in, they were very falsely accused, very much persecuted. Paul himself experienced dangers all over the place. 39 lashes, beaten with rods and stoned and shipwrecked, sleeping in oceans. As I've gone into Uganda, I've seen this myself. There's more comments made by people as you go into these things, slander and gossip, and it's almost Satan's method to undermine any ministry. And you have to do one thing, endure and love. When you look at the context of what is going on here, we see really quick, we, we see very clearly that there is this, in, in chapters one to four, there's this declaration, I'm the king, I'm the Messiah. And then he comes to chapter five and he says, look, can I share with you who is in this kingdom and who is not? And that's when he goes off and he begins to say, listen, look at verse three, Matthew chapter five, blessed are the what? Everybody together, look at verse 3. Here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Who's in the kingdom? Those who are broken within. Those who recognize their own sin. And they go, oh my goodness, I have nothing to offer God. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Not, no value to render. I'm poor inwardly. Not only am I poor, but I, the, the word blessed are those who mourn. There is this mourning because there's this hatred of sin. The Spirit of God has opened up our hearts to see that, oh my goodness, I'm a mess. And we mourn over that sin. We hate that sin. Not only that, but we are meek. That is, we take on blows and we roll them over. We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. We're merciful. We're pure in heart. We are the peacemakers. These are the ones in whom God is transformed from within. Not only that, but he says, look, and those blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Part of being a believer, the evidence of being truly born again is persecution, persecution, persecution. That's part of being a believer. And if there isn't that persecution, you can look within, am I different? Has God changed me? Is there evidence of the Spirit of God's work in my heart? It is from here that verses 13 through 16 come out of. He basically says, look, this is who's in the kingdom and now this is how you act in the kingdom. This is who you'll be in the kingdom. So what I want to do this morning is I want to remind you of who you are in this kingdom. Who you are and how you are to live in the midst of this corrupted world all around us. In the passage this morning, I want to show you two facts and one imperative. I want to show you two, everybody a little louder, two, and one, or one command. Are we good? All right, don't miss them. I'm going to give you both of those facts together. Let me help us, before I give you these two facts, I want to help you understand the reality of the society we're in so that you can understand these facts with clarity. We're in a corrupt society. That's been from the beginning of time to the present. We're in a world that hates our master, Jesus Christ. They hate the king. They love themselves. And they are given over to their own lusts and passions. That's the world we're in. Last time I was with you, I told you to be wise as servants and harmless as doves. That was the message we gave. You can look back at that. There's great wisdom for living in this world. But we have to understand that we are in a society that is sinful and it's not getting better. History has shown that mankind destroys itself in its sin and lust. It doesn't take long 
for humanity to go from a perfect creation to a destroyed creation. It doesn't take him long to go from a new people after a flood to becoming to, to, to Sodom and Gomorrah or to the, to the Tower of Babel. It doesn't take long for a pure nation going into the land of Israel to quickly in the next generation become corrupt. History has shown often that God's people get corrupted by the world around us. 2 Timothy chapter 3 speaks of how in the last days evil men and impostors are going to proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so in the midst of all of that reality of our world in which we live in, we are then called to be a certain people in the midst of it, a certain individuals called out of this world to live in a particular way. How are we to live? Well, let's now come to the two facts. The two facts. The two facts are this. One is in verse 13. The second is in verse 14. Fact number one is this. You are. You what? You what? You are. Salt of the earth. Verse 14. You are what? Light of the world. Good job. Just wrong verse. You are light of the earth. You are salt, verse 13, of the earth, and, and you are light of the world, verse 14. These are the two facts that are presented before us. This is who you are. And I would suggest to you, he's telling you in the midst of this society, you are these two things and being thrusted into the world in which we live in, a world that is corrupt and therefore you will be persecuted. You will be insulted. You will be hated. You will be disliked. This is who, what will happen if you are truly born again. And therefore, you must know who you are. You are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is who you are. You can't forget it. You must understand this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. You say, well, what's he talking about? He says, you are. Who's he referring to? Well, first of all, this is a group. It's a plural. He's not, and, and he's not just speaking of the nation of Israel. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those who are pure of what? Pure spirit who mourn, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted. That's who he's talking about. You, you who are truly giving evidence of the transforming work of God. You are truly disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Sharon, why do you say truly? Why? Because listen, this church and all churches across our area are filled with so many false believers. People who go to church but go out and live just like everybody else. People who go to church and they're watching things on television and they're giving over to their friends. They're not following Christ. They're following friends. They're following society. No, this is talking about someone who's following not the world, but following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is their Lord. He's their master. He's their king. It's those who've been transformed in the heart. This is who the you are is. And we know that Jesus is going to go from working in a nation and he's temporarily going to put them on hold and work with all of these disciples from all nations everywhere, bringing them who are not a people and making them a people. And he's giving instruction. He's given them information so that they know. We also know that one day 
The fullness of the Gentiles will come in and God will make his name known to Israel once again. Amen? If you don't know that, you're okay. But you're not as cool as the rest of No, just kidding. He's speaking of those who are followers of Jesus Christ, servants of the king. He's speaking as referred to in 1 Peter chapter 2, 19, about this kingdom of priests, this holy nation. The people to whom, look really quickly there. I don't want to botch it. Look with me at 2 Peter 2, 19. This is a 2, 9, I'm sorry. 1 Peter 2, 9. And, and the reason I want you to, is because there's imagery here that I want us to see. 1 Timothy 2, 9. Did I say Peter? Peter, exactly, Peter. 1 Peter 2, 9. That's why you have a helper sit in the front row. 1 Peter 2.9, which says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own, that you may proclaim what? Why have we become this people? That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who's done what? Called us out of darkness and into what? Into his marvelous light. You see, there's a, a difference from darkness to what? Interesting observation. Notice as well, verse 10, once you were not a, but now you are a, are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You can go back to Deuteronomy to see what he's talking about there. But you see, what God has done is he's called out of the world people from every nation. And in this room, we represent many nations. We even represent Israel here. Vaughn's dad is Israeli. Come on, baby. <laughs> and so we represent all nations, and we together have become the church. But we have a purpose. We are something. And what is the R, who we are? We are salt and we are light. This is an emphatic. He's emphasizing that you alone are these things. This is who you are. This is who you've been made to be. One preacher said that the church functions much like the moon. We are just illuminated by the sun's brilliance. According to the Bible, we are salt and we are light. What is the Bible referring to when he speaks of this? He speaks of a community of people that are not of this world, but we're of a new world. He speaks of a people who do not live for this world, but live for the next world. He speaks of a people who've been transferred from this kingdom into a kingdom that belongs to Christ. We don't follow another master. We follow one master and one master alone. Therefore, we live differently, think differently, because we are different. Christ is in us. We don't love the world. We don't love the things of the world. And if we love the world, the love of the Father is what? Not in us. You are not born again. What is driving your life? Is it truly the master and Lord Jesus Christ? Has he consumed you? Or is he just an add-on? Huh? Say, Shannon, what do we mean that you're the salt of the earth? What do we mean we're the light of the world? What are these pictures conveying? I think they're conveying the exact same thing, both of them. Salt is obviously a special ingredient put on food that makes it taste better. Anybody? I was hoping I'd get a couple amens. I, I agree. I'm like, honey, did you add salt in this meal? She's like, that was the easiest part of the meal, honey. Uh, I'm like, a little more salt, please. But it was far greater importance in the days of Israel because they would cut meat, have no refrigeration, and need something to preserve that meat from decay. It served as an anesthetic. 
antiseptic. It basically, my wife always, uh, they got some like funky word. My wife's always, oh no, he's going for it. <laughs> but basically, it served to, to help fight bacteria from coming into the food to prevent decay, the growth of germs or organisms coming into the meat and perverting it and creating disease really important in that day. And according to Jesus, that we are this in the world. We are to push back decay, push back the retard against sin. By us being just who we are and living out our identity, we serve the world in this way. In reality, we are the hope of this society. The church, the hope is not politicians. The hope is not police. The hope is not education. The hope is the church being the the church. Can someone say amen? Amen. Louder than salt. Come on. We like salt. Yay. Church. Oh, okay. We're the church. We're to change society. By, by being a preserving agent. But no one wants that preserving agent, so it's going to fight against the salt. It's going to make fun of the salt. It's not going to want the salt. Remember, it wants to step on the salt, trample on it. And that's what happens when we lose our flavor. Not only that, but that we are to be the light. What is a light? Well, it does the exact same thing. Without light, everything is in darkness. If you don't know that because you live in America, please come to Africa with me. When we first moved to Uganda, there was no electricity. We had to bring it into our community. Light functions by retarding darkness. Where light is, darkness dissipates. In the same way, without the church... And listen, the church alone, there is no other agent set forth to have that effect in this world. That's why the world hates the church. That's why the world hates Christianity. Because we push it back. We push sin back. We say, no, this is not right. We hold up the light so the world can see it clearly. We live in such a way that it causes darkness to disappear. We know the dark ages. The dark ages were dark because there was no truth or no church to shine forth. We went out of the dark ages when the church came to a reformation and brought light and truth into the world. Amen? And as a result of that, this is who you are. Let me just get that in your hearts for a moment. Tell your neighbor, and this is a little corny, but it's okay. You had the African guy tell you to do it, all right? Tell your neighbor, you are salt. You are light. Come on, on, do it. You can do it. It's cool. It really is cool. Then say, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ. Okay, that's who you are. Now come here to this imperative. Here is the imperative in verse 16. In the same way, let your light what? Let your light what? Let it what? You think I'm going to start singing that let it shine song, huh? Come on. If I could sing, I would. But that's the exhortation. Let it what? Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Don't worry about the persecution. You live out who you are. Live out who you are. Let your light shine. Let it shine. Carry out your function. Carry out your purpose. And shine. 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. My dear brothers and my dear sisters, you were changed and transformed by God if you were truly changed and transformed for a purpose. That purpose is to glorify God, to make him known in this world. The world is dying. They don't know God. They don't know the gospel. They're running around thinking there's no king on a throne. We know there's a king because we've surrendered our life to him. That's what a Christian is. And so now, how are they going to know the king unless we let our light what? Unless we let our light shine. I love in these Beatitudes, I, I said meek, but the word merciful and meek, and you see, that's our response to the world. When the world is coming at us, we take and absorb the blows and return it with love. They're, they're harsh and they're unkind, but that's not us. We're merciful and gracious. They're causing a lack of peace everywhere, but we're peace what? Makers. We're the antithesis of the world. And here he's saying, he's commanding us to get out into this world and let your light shine despite the persecution, despite the, injury, the, the insults, despite all of the persecution, let your light what? Shine. Live it out. Live who you are. Instead of being useless salt that's trampled on the feet by men, instead of being stupid light that is covered up, who covers up light? <laughs> According to our pastor, it's no, exactly, it's people who don't make sense. You don't turn a light on and then cover it, right? You turn a light out and then you put it in a place that its brilliance can shine. You can't be unbold in your workplace because that's not who you are. Don't hide who you are. Be who you are. Shine. Preserve the world we're in. Love them enough to live out your identity and retard the world. Take on the persecution and while you're doing it, ensure that you let your light shine by doing what? Good works. You say, Shannon, what are these good works? Well, I think the context is telling us what the good works are. I think the context, because remember he says we're persecuted, verse 10, because of our, what does he say in verse 10? Because of our Righteousness. What's he talking about? I think he's talking about everything that's just mentioned there in verses 3, 2 through 10. Our being pure in, poor in spirit and mourning, our meekness, our mercifulness to others. Let me tell you, the greatest influence outside of just the preaching of the gospel in our community has been all of the love that we've been able to give to our community. And all of that love because some of you help us. Look, our people are sick, they're dying. They're suffering under immense pain because they have no doctors to help them. So what are we to do? Get a doctor to help. We have people who are being dragged, big children with cerebral palsy, whose mom has been suffering with the struggle and pain of these children. And they're being dragged to our community so they can get a wheelchair. Then we get to go to their homes and build a ramp so that wheelchair can go in and out of that property. And what does it say? It says there is a king, there is a king because nobody acts like this. 
When we first right, reached out to the, those suffering with disability, they didn't want us to take pictures. They didn't want us to even know who they were because they said so many come out, they'll take pictures and then they do nothing to help. Because if the church doesn't reach out to those suffering with disability, then who will? Because we're different. We're not motivated by money. We're not motivated by fame. At least we shouldn't be. We're motivated by this internal passion to love people. To help that people, this person, that they know Jesus. That they really know there's a king and they really experience the joy of following him. That's who we are. And so we, we, we are out looking for good deeds, looking for ways to love, looking for ways to hug and care and, and help. Because that's who we are. And we want to live out who we are. And that's the exhortation here. Represent your master. Represent his love. Represent his kindness. Represent his goodness. Represent him. Not just with love, but also with truth. All the while, putting your arm around and saying, oh, there's a king, can I show you his way? This same exhortation is given continuously throughout the Bible. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 14 through 15, that we are to do all things without grumbling or disputing so that we will prove ourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God above reproach in a crooked and perverse generation among whom we are to appear as lights in the world. How do we appear as lights? Stoppy, complaining, and grumbling. And you'll still look so different. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that the thing in which they slander you and they will slander you, you as evildoer, they, you because of your good deeds, as they observe them, they'll glorify God in the day of their visitation. Ephesians chapter 5, 7 through 13 says the exact same thing. One great illustration, I have two illustrations I want to share with you about what I think is being communicated here. One is of a young Scottish girl named Helen Irwin. She was a girl who was saved as a young girl, giving her life completely to the Lordship of Christ. And she died at the age of 22. It is said that all Scotland wept. She had ex expected to serve God as a missionary in Europe and became fluent in Russian language. But she was not able to fulfill that dream. She had no obvious gifts such as speaking or writing and had never traveled far from home. Yet by the time she died, she had won hundreds of people to Jesus Christ. Countless missionaries mourned her death because they knew of the great channel of their spiritual strength was gone. She had risen every morning at five in order to study God's word and to pray. Her diary revealed that she regularly prayed for over 300 missionaries by name. Everywhere she went, the atmosphere was changed. If someone was telling a dirty story, he would stop if she was coming. If people were complaining, they would become ashamed in her presence. An acquaintance reported that while she was at Glasgow University, she left a fragrance of Christ everywhere she went. And everything she said and did, she was God's salt. She lived in the presence of Christ every morning. And in, the, and in his presence, she walked throughout her day. She loved people everywhere she went, walked in righteousness, and pointed everybody to Jesus Christ. Stories told by a man named Woodrow Wilson 
when he had gone to get a haircut in a barber shop. He was sitting in a barber's chair. He says, when I became aware that a powerful personality had entered the room, a man had come quietly upon the same errand as myself to have a haircut and to sit in a chair next to me. Every word the man uttered, though it was not in the least designed to preach, he showed a personal interest in the man who was serving him. And before I got through with what was being done to me, I was aware that I had attended an evangelistic service because Mr. D.L. Moody was in the chair. I purposely lingered in the room after I had left. I'm sorry, I purposely lingered in the room and after he had left, I noted the single effect that his visit had brought upon the barber shop. They talked quietly. They did not know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts. And I felt like I left the place as I should have left a place of worship. Where are such people today? Am I that kind of person? Where I live in such a way where I want everybody to know Jesus because I'm so consumed with Jesus that it, it just permeates around And it sits, starts with sitting down with, at the feet of God's word, hearing from him, purposefully living with intentionality to really be obsessed with Christ, to die to the interests of people. You know, I know Adam Tyson, and I love him. And one thing I'm committed to with him, as I hope he's committed to me, is that we would love Jesus with the same fervor we loved him in the early days. I don't know if you still do this, Adam, because I don't call you enough. But every time you, early on you'd get him, he'd say, hey, he'd leave a verse on his phone and call you to repentance. I like that. My brothers and my sisters... You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, let your light, what? Shine. Let it shine. Listen, I pray that Placerita Baptist will just rock this community. You guys in the 20 miles around this place, there are probably the greatest evangelical churches almost in, probably in the world. How are we permeating our society? How are you permeating your neighbor? Let your light shine. Do not let persecution push you to be anything other than who you are. And when you do it, and you know you're doing it right, is when you have the result. And what will the result be? They will glorify, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It won't be, wow, Shannon, he's a great guy. It'll be, wow, how could God do that? Look at God and what he's done. Every miracle Jesus did, they give glory to who? Because he was the one being exalted. It wasn't done from human interests. It was purely, holistically, fervently motivated to exalt God because truth came with the actions. My brothers and sisters, 
God saved us that we might proclaim his excellencies. Are we doing that? Are you pursuing Christ the way you should? Are you living for him in this world the way you should? Are you leaving an aroma of Christ everywhere you go? I had a youth pastor when I was a kid. He could go up to anyone and say, hey, you, you need Jesus. But he did it with such love and such fervency and such care and such compassion that he could pull it off. He taught me to hug everyone I met. He had that radiance that I want to emulate in my life. Can we encourage each other to let our light shine? I think you need to go back and listen to the DC, the DC talk. That's that song. Shine, shine. I don't know what any of Let's pray before it gets out of hand. <laughs> Let me pray and commit you to that end. Father, I love my family here at Placerita Bible Church. We're so thankful that we can worship you as a congregation right here in such a beautiful auditorium. We thank you for all the resources that were provided to make all this happen. But Lord, this is not, this is a, a means to worship you. And I pray that we would be motivated and encouraged to live out who we are. Lord, I pray for us to repent. If we are not living seriously minded, that you, we would repent. If we're, not, if we're being bashful in our proclamation in whatever community we're in, that we would repent. But we'd also look at our lives and we would look within and say, are we living in such a way that we emulate your presence? Are we sitting with you in such a way that, that we are abiding in you? Help us to that end. Father, to you alone be glory, honor, praise forevermore, both here at Placerita and in Uganda. We love you and we thank you for making us your agents in this world. May we be faithful to that end. Through your son we pray.